You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. But we digress. Hello, Will. Hello, David. Hello, listeners. A digression? Yeah. Been a little while since we've done a digression. It has. Digressions are when we have something to talk about, but it doesn't fit neatly into any of our series. Yeah. This time we're talking about Pokemon paleontology. I'm so excited. It's going to be so good. <laughs> now, before we get into Pokemon, a couple of things that we need to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. First and foremost... If you don't know what Pokemon is, or why we would talk about it on our Paleontology podcast, here's a brief introduction. Pokemon is a fictional franchise, started out as video games, has since become TV shows and movies and card games and stuff. The basic crux is, there is a fictional world, the world of Pokemon, that is much like our own real world, but it is inhabited by a variety of magical creatures. Yeah. Some of them are cute, and some of them are awesome, and some of them are rare or powerful or this and that. They live in the oceans and the rivers and the mountains and the forests. And in most versions of stories about Pokemon, there is a human character whose task it is to travel around the natural world, finding and collecting as many of these creatures as they can, and often, along the way, filling in their Pokemon encyclopedia, mm-hmm. the Pokedex, which we will refer to abundantly throughout this episode, basically building a field guide. Yeah, it's it's they're collecting like you would collect leaves or bugs or... Right. Et cetera, et cetera. So, this means that we, we can use Pokemon to do the thing that we love to do, like we say in our Silver Screen Science episodes explore that intersection of science and pop culture. Yes. Because the Pokemon world, the people who created Pokemon, had to build a fictional natural world inhabited by fictional animals. Yes. And they did so mostly by basing it on the real natural world and real landscapes and real organisms. So we get to talk about how does our science look by the time it makes it into the game. Yes, when it's been translated through the filter of Pokemon. What has happened to it? The other reason that now is a great time to talk, do a Pokemon episode is that a new game just came out. It did. Two new games even, because that's how that's how they do. <laughs> Pokemon Sword and Shield just dropped. I have played it. Will watched. I did. <laughs> so we can tie in all the new stuff that the new games just introduced. And, most importantly... This episode has been requested. A bunch. A bunch. (laughs) People have specifically asked for us to do a Pokemon-centric episode. Mostly people asking for us to talk about fossil Pokemon. Because those exist. They exist. They are abundant and they're super fun to talk about. Yeah, they are. Especially now. They are intriguing to talk about now. (laughs) So, a thanks to those who requested this. Timothy, Robert, and Nearly Experts on Twitter... Nice. Jesse, who is one of our patrons. Thanks. And Bo, who made the request from the other side of a Raven Queen mask (laughs) at DragonCon. (laughs) So thanks for those requests, everyone. We're happy to do it. Oh, boy. Which brings me to the last reason why we would do a Pokemon episode. Will really likes Pokemon. I do. I really enjoy it. I, I was... In that first generation yeah. that got into it. And I really, really like Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my dorky obsessions. 
I love it so much. Yeah, it, it is one of David's things. <laughs> so this was going to happen eventually anyway. We're we were thrilled gonna... people requested it. <laughs> there, we have had many of those moments whilst doing the podcast up till now of us being like, I'm going to do it. It's This is going to happen. And then finally someone requests. And it's like, oh, thank goodness. Now it's not going to be weird. Yeah, now we have an excuse. <laughs> someone asked me to talk about Godzilla. <laughs> My goodness. This, is, this was one of those of like, Okay, well, they asked for it, so now I have to. Yeah, now I guess I have to make use of my extensive knowledge of the Pokedex. <laughs> One last thing before we get into actually discussing the Pokemon themselves. We will be talking about the new games. Yep. So this is our spoiler warning. If you are someone who is hoping to play the new games and hasn't gotten to yet, uh, we're not going to talk about story or the new region, really, no. in any spoilery way. But we will definitely be talking about some of the new Pokemon. Yeah. So the new games introduced 81 new Pokemon, plus a bunch of new versions of old Pokemon. And many of the... Off the top of my head, I can think of at least, like, 10 that yeah. we will absolutely mention in this episode. So, be warned, there are some spoilers ahead. Yeah, if you've been avoiding all the leaks and you're avoiding all the pictures... We're about to do more of that, so... Yes, <laughs> yep. <laughs> You've been thoroughly warned. So, there's a lot of science to talk about with Pokemon. We could go all day. They, no, they incorporate a surprising amount of actually topical science. You know, they also have, like, teleportation and, right. you know, weird stuff that's just for the sake of making it cool or convenient because it's a game. Yeah, uh, fast travel. But there's a lot of things that are... Actually, very poignant, you know, real-world topical science. Yeah. Which is cool. So in this episode, we are mostly going to focus on paleo-related stuff. Predominantly, I think, fossils. Yes. And evolution. Yeah, because that is a thing the Pokemon do every it, now and then. Yeah. So yeah, the people <laughs> who are listening who are familiar with Pokemon will understand why evolution is such an interesting topic to bring up with Pokemon. And my goodness, you have no idea. Just wait. Now, some of you might have an idea, but oh boy. But let's start with fossils. In many of the main series Pokemon games, there comes a time in the game where your character has the opportunity to collect a fossil. Yeah. And these fossils are the remains of ancient Pokemon. So there are a lot of modern day Pokemon that are like, you know, mice and dragons and lizards and mm -hmm. fish and stuff. But then there are these fossilized Pokemon. And since this is a game that was made in the mid to late nineties, <laughs> what you do with the fossils is you resurrect the fossil Pokemon and you bring it back to life and you add it to your Pokedex. And now you can have it on your team and battle with it and stuff. Yeah. You re you basically put in a big fossil microwave that then pops out a living thing of that fossil. Yep. <laughs> In total, there are about 30 Pokemon that are either resurrected from fossils or based on fossils, uh, stated to be, this is based on a prehistoric thing. Mm -hmm. And my favorite thing about them is that, mostly, for the most part, they're real fossil things. That you can actually connect a lot of them down to a species. Yeah. And that's so cool. Will, do you have a favorite fossil Pokemon? So it I, that has always been such a tough one to answer because my old favorite was always Kabutops. All right. 
because it's cool looking and it's just tough and awesome. So Kabutops is a Pokemon. There are so Pokemon come. They they have different life stages. Yeah. Right. Kabuto is what you resurrect from a fossil, which is largely based on horseshoe crabs. Mm-hmm. It's got the same very domed uh, look that the front of a horseshoe crab has, but it's the whole body. It looks very helmety. Yes, and indeed the word Kabuto in Japanese, I believe, is helmet. There you go. And Kabuto is part of the name for horseshoe crab. <laughs> and the Pokedex entries mention that it lived 300 million years ago but also that there are still living ones today. Mm-hmm. Horseshoe crabs. Which is why it was one of my favorites, because it was one of those examples where you could find fossils of it, but that could also potentially be walking around. Right, right. Uh, Tyrantrum, though, is hard for me to pass up. Yeah, so there's your, <laughs> that's your T-Rex Pokemon. <laughs> that, one has, that one has wedged itself in to the top rankings pretty hard. Yeah, there are a handful of dinosaurs. Yes. And they're all like... They chose cool dinosaurs. They did a good job. Like, they did, they have a sauropod. Yep. But it's not just a generic long neck, long tailed Pokemon, Mm-mm. like dinosaur Pokemon. It's very clearly a Margosaurus. Yeah. And it's got the sails down the, the neck. That's really cool. And that's, you know, a Margosaurus is always a very uh, recognizable, but doesn't always get a lot of attention because there's not like, it wasn't one of the old famous ones. Right, it's not in the movies. Exactly. So, I, even though it's always, and you know, I I always see people like it when it comes up. I don't see it come up often, so it's cool they picked it. Yeah, I there is a special place in my heart for Anorith. Yeah. So Anorith is a Pokemon that looks like this little sort of shrimpy lobstery thing with little claw mouth parts mm-hmm. coming off its face. Which I can absolutely understand somebody looking at and going, wow, that's a weird fictional creature you made up. (laughs) But it is almost like a lot of the Pokemon they put in. It's like, oh, this one has electricity and this one has like weird spikes on it. Anorith is just Anomalocaris. Yeah. A lot of the other fossil Pokemon are, you know, this animal, but with stuff added or like... A definitely um, inspired by... Right. Like yeah. Amora and Aurorus, which yep. are the ones based on Amargosaurus, are, you know, their sail is, an, is it looks like an Aurora Borealis. It looks uh, very, like a like a ribboned veil, you know. Right, because they're ice type. Yes. And it's supposed to invoke the Aurora and all that. So yeah, it's based on those dinosaurs with some elemental flair to it. Anorith is just Anomalocaris. With with puppy dog eyes. And I love it so much because, like, obviously they've done dinosaurs. But the first, you know, Kabuto and Ammonite, which is based on Ammonites, Mm -hmm. were two of the first fossil Pokemon they made. Anorith is Anomalocaris. Like, who's even heard of Anomalocaris outside of Paleo Circles? Anomalocaris, for those of you who are confused, was is the oldest apex predator in the fossil record. Yeah. It is this weird sh- sort of flatworm lobster. Well, it's it's thing it's like a claws on its face. An arthropod's attempt at a cuttlefish. Yes, that's a good explanation yeah. for it. I it's like got that. this very torpedo-esque body, you know, flattened long torpedo body with these fin not not like a ribbon fin but multiple paddles. Yeah. <laughs> all down the body that it flies through the water with 
And I love that they made an Anomalocaris Pokemon because it, they have Anomalocaris, they have a Margasaurus. That tells me that somebody at Pokemon dove into fossils. Yes, like looked up what are some of the most charismatic or characteristic, you know, important fossils for different ages. Yeah. And that's really, that's, that's impressive. You know, that's not something you usually see happen in video games at all. No. Or any media. Yeah. Like. The, there is a, it's honestly, it, it's very similar to what I feel about Jurassic Park. Yes. It's like, yes, it's cartoony and yes, it's silly. And yes, this one shoots rocks out of its face. But someone behind the scenes loved paleontology enough to put some real effort into it. I think uh, Lilip and Craydilly mm-hmm. are the ones that are the most astonishing to me. Because they're crinoids. I'm always, I still they're have sea lilies. Where I'm surprised that those made it in. Like on the on the the list of most boring, super famous fossils, like crino. Uh, with apologies to all the crinoid fans out there, but like if you're gonna make a dynamic creature in a video game that's gonna be jumping around and using like superpowers, I would not have come up with sea lilies for that. Yeah, it would have been very low on the list. Yeah, and they did it, and it's awesome. They actually, they're really good designs. Like, it's just, it's so cool, and I love the thought that you have little kids playing this game and going, okay, that Pokemon is a duck, and that Pokemon is a fish, and that Pokemon is an eagle. Like, sure. And then they see these things, and they're like, what in the world? Like, what a cool creature. And then to go to a museum and see, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that the Helix fossil is an actual thing. My friend actually has a story about when he was in school and they were supposed, they were drawing animals for something and he drew an ammonite. And because he is a fan of Pokemon, but he also is a fan of fossil animals and he drew an ammonite. And one of the other students in class told on him for drawing Pokemon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And he had an argument with the the other student and the teacher that this was a real animal. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Right? Now, uh, we should... Uh, uh, there are things beyond the fossil Pokemon themselves that I like even more. Because it's not just... It, it would be one thing if they were saying, aesthetically, we have based this Pokemon on a real world animal. Yeah, that, that it. we wanted this to look like T-Rex. Right. And f- most of the time, that's what it is. Yes. It's, here, this thing looks like an ammonite, and that's about as far as it... It lives in the ocean, that's that's about it. But they'll put in these little bits of extra lore, extra explanations, in the Pokedex descriptions that hearken to real-world science. Yeah, that actually line up with what we know about the real-world animal. So, like I said, Kabuto is said to have lived 300 million years ago. Which is when the earliest ancestors of horseshoe crabs lived. <laughs> uh, Ammonite and Amistar, which are the Ammonite ones, are said to have lived a hundred million years ago. I don't know if that's in the actual Pokedex entry. It might be that one of the other fossil Pokemon has an entry that says that they lived a hundred million years ago, and another entry that says that they ate Amistar. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which I think is how I got to that. But the other one is a turtle, po- yeah, a sea turtle fossil Pokemon, and they both lived a hundred million years ago which is when the famous ammonites and sea turtles lived. They're pulling from real-world geologic timescales. And then there's, like I said about Kabuto, that based on a horseshoe crab, they've been around for a long time and they're still around today. My favorites, my two favorites, 
are one is Tyrantrum. Yeah. So Tyrantrum, I'm actually going to look this up on my document of uh, uh, Pokemon information. Yeah, he's not having to use the internet. <laughs> I you know well you see people out there are like did you really like make an entire document of Pokedex entry information that corresponds to paleontology and read through all the Pokemon Pokedex entries just for the sake of making a little episode about your podcast and I say no what no, that would be ridiculous I already had this yeah this has been on his computer for a while there uh, so Tyrunt and Tyrantrum are a uh, Tyrannosaur based fossil Pokemon. And two of their entries uh, uh, stand out to me. Now, this came out just a few years ago. This is this is new. And, and in fact, actually, these are the entries. One of these is from Ultra Sun, so that's even more more recent. So these are within the last several years. Tyrant has an entry that says some theories suggest that its restored form is different from its form of long ago. And one of Tyrantrum's entries says complete restoration is impossible allowing room for theories that its entire body was once covered in a feather-like coat. Yeah. Not only did the people who wrote this know at least a little bit about these animals, they also listened to paleontologists complaining about Jurassic World on the internet. Like, you, they're referencing real-world debates in paleontology. It's a cool thing that they're doing, and I like the way they do it, too. I like that they... they say that these things are not the fossil animal. It's been resurrected, which means there's some stuff wrong. Right, right. Which is the Jurassic World excuse. Yeah. But I like that their technique is not... (laughs) They're not hiding behind that. They are saying, so likely, they would have actually looked more accurate like this. Right, right. Which is... Which is a fun... I like that. Which is what would have made us happy if they had done... In Jurassic World. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The other one, though, that I absolutely love, there is a fossil Pokemon named Arkin. Arkin. Whose second stage is named Archaeops, which is very overtly inspired by Archaeopteryx, the famous first bird, which is that famous, you know, transition, as it were. Yeah, one of the, the earliest fossils showing us definite dinosaur traits and definite bird traits together in one animal. Before we knew that those... Uh, groups were linked yes but it's not just again that it looks like archaeopteryx and is named almost archaeopteryx (laughs) yeah the pokedex entries say that it is thought to be the ancestor of all bird pokemon which right there that's it's so cool that they bring in this real world paleontological information and i love that i appreciate it so much and I, the thing that's fun with the the fossil Pokemon, because a lot of the other Pokemon have things about like that are more like those uh, those fun f- animal fun fact books you got as a kid, like right, you know, right. animal Guinness World Record things of you know Goliath frog can leap this far, and you know right, right, right. a flea can leap this many body lengths and more than anything, you know. And it's a lot of the other Pokedex entries are very here's a ridiculous thing this animal can do. Right, this well, one can leap over the Eiffel Tower in one jump. Yeah, the. Fossil Pokemon Pokedexes are very often edu- like truly educational about like here's where they lived or how they lived or yeah. when they lived. And that's that's really a, a a nice touch, which is pretty cool. I also like that it expands the um scientific concepts in the Pokemon world. And this is for most people who play Pokemon. It's it's no big deal. Yeah. But for me, it's like, 
hang on, if Archaeopteryx is the common, if Archaeops is the common ancestor of all bird Pokemon, so all bird Pokemon have a common ancestor? That's exactly what my brain. That's pretty cool, <laughs> isn't it? Now, it's not to say that all of their fossil information is accurate. No. In the very first Pokemon games, there is a fossil Pokemon named Aerodactyl, mm-hmm. which is a pterosaur with a demon tail. Yeah. And, and saw the saw blades for a face. It's pretty cool. But it's mostly a pterosaur. One of its Pokedex entries calls it a dinosaur. It does. They, they never repeated. Someone's child yelled at them, <laughs> and it never showed up in another Pokemon main series game, at least, after that. But they did call Aerodactyl a dinosaur, which pterosaurs are not. There are a couple of places where they're putting in little sentences that are not quite like Amistar, the Ammonite, the, the shelled cephalopod, has an entry that says that it's thought that its shell got too big for it to hunt, and that's why it went extinct. Yeah, they, they do have a couple of moments like that where they suggest causes for extinction, not based off of the environment, but based off the Pokemon. Right. This Pokemon did something wrong. Yeah. Which, that's not really how it works. No, I mean, that the the immediate you know, response to that is, okay, yeah, but then why would it? Right. Well, like, then you just, you adapt. Yeah, like, then it would stop getting bigger when they stopped dying from that and the little, like... Right, right. That's that's not how adaptation works. Right. <laughs> One of my favorite phenomena that happens in these in, the, in these science descriptions in the game, and Amistar is my favorite example of it, is that the, the people making the games are putting in this cool science info, but they're not scientists. No. And they're probably not consulting very much with scientists. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume they're looking up information, but not actually, like, bringing staff on. Right. So mistakes are not unexpected. Yes. Especially, like, common misunderstandings. But every now and then you get a thing that is representative of old theories. Yeah. And that one, there is, I remember I was reading a book... Uh, Stephen Jay Gould's book, which I think it was ever since Darwin, which is a collection of essays. And in one of his essays, he discusses this old idea of evolution called orthogenesis. And orthogenesis was this idea that the way that evolution, right early when people were like, all right, organisms evolve, but how and why? Because that natural selection thing that that Darwin guy said is obviously nonsense. <laughs> so one of the suggestions that had come up was this notion that an organism, a species, a, a group of organisms would get caught on a trajectory. This It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it goes extinct. Yeah. It, this feature gets more and more and more exaggerated, and then it goes extinct. The famous example was uh, a Megaloceros. The, what, what do they call that? Yeah. Or the Irish elk, I think. Yeah, is. the Irish elk. This, it was it was a, like a moose that is Ice Age, Pleistocene, and just had these nonsensically large antlers yeah antlers that would not fit on most people's bed right you could sit a person in the antlers <laughs> like huge and one of these sort of old notions that you'll see pop up every now and then is the idea that the antlers got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and then they couldn't navigate the forests so they went extinct yeah which we know now is not how it works the features you develop are you adapt, you change in response to the environment, or you go extinct 
because you couldn't change, you can't evolve yourself into extinction like that. Yeah, like, if those antlers are troublesome in a forest, that in itself is not going to drive you to extinction because either A, you didn't evolve those in a forest. Right. Or B, well, then you would stop evolving larger antlers. Right. Selection would push you in another direction. But if suddenly dense forest started growing around you more quickly than you could evolve towards smaller antlers, then you're in trouble. Right. Because th things have changed faster than you can change. And I love that Amistar's Pokedex entry is probably unintentionally an example of this outdated idea about evolution and extinction. Well, because it's, it's uh, a nice way of showing a common misconception for evolution of this idea that there is a end goal or there is a there's a path well it's gotten its shell was getting bigger and bigger so i mean what's gonna stop it you know something has to happen to well, and then it stops right like it hasn't subscribed to the bigger shell evolutionary packet right it's it's, 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 it's signed a contract yeah exactly <laughs> it's like oh i'm sorry this is a you know five million year plan you're you're stuck in this i hope you guys figure it out that's not how it works but it's it's kind of intriguing to see it represented in these <laughs> these passages the other while we're on the subject the other outdated notion that i must bring up it's it's part of the paleontology contract yes if you're going to talk about paleontology you have to mention this a couple places they do mention living fossils yes Living fossils is this idea that you have organisms that haven't changed evolutionarily. So what we have today is exactly like what you had in the past because they had no reason to evolve, so they didn't. Many sharks, the coelacanth, crocs. crabs, crocs. Yep. Lots of, you get that with lots of just arthropods in general. Yeah. Uh, and that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And it there are very few situations that have any credence to say that it right. has not been evolving for a long time. All things are always evolving. Yes. There are lineages that evolve more slowly. Yeah. There are lineages that evolve less obviously. And there are organisms today that have retained a lot of the recognizable features. Like crocs today have a body plan that is mm -hmm. similar to a lot of ancient crocs. And there are, like, the American alligator as a species goes back 8 million years. Right. Which is a long haul for a single species. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's they are genetically identical. It's still a little bit different, and that's not unchanging. That is just one species. Right. And so just using the phrase living fossil is always a little bit of a, uh, it's well, a little it's bit of an annoyance. Almost every time it's used, it's not actually accurate. The Pokemon example that always comes to my mind is a Pokemon called Relicanth, which is before I criticize it, a coelacanth Pokemon. Yep. How cool. That's, How cool that they made a coelacanth Pokemon. it looks awesome. It's so cool it looking. It looks great. It's so coelacanth are these uh, deep water fish. They're all like craggy and prehistoric They've looking. They've got almost that armored. Yeah, like, almost placoderm Almost like. placoderm look. Uh, and they've got those lobe fins. So they have little limbs going into their they fins. They have bones in their fins yeah. that they can maneuver a little bit. Coelacanths are the famous example of a quote-unquote living fossil yeah. because the famous story is that they were only known from the fossil record back to the Cretaceous and earlier, and then they were discovered in the 1930s swimming 
around Africa. Yes, and now we know that there are actually a couple species still alive. Yeah. Rare, isolated, but still alive. And they're still very similar. They're evolutionarily conservative. It's And this is why the term is so resilient. If you were to show a... You know, a lay person, a, a person who has, isn't, and honestly, if you were to show me. Oh, yeah. Having not studied fish anatomy in detail, a living coelacanth next to the fossil of a coelacanth, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's the skeleton of that animal. Right. Obviously. Very similar. You know, I'm not trained to be able to look for those differences. So it looks like a living fossil. Relicanth has a Pokedex entry in the game that says... The reason it hasn't changed at all in a hundred million years is that it's apparently already a perfect life form. <laughs> it's a xenomorph. <laughs> Which is like everything that is wrong about the term living fossil exactly. in one entry. This notion of perfection and evolution. Yeah, once again, that evolution is going toward a constantly better goal. Right, right. Well, it is one of the biggest misconceptions. So it's not always... A perfect, you know, the the science isn't flawless. No, it's 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 got a a mixture of cool scientific things we wouldn't expect to make it in, and then a lot of scientific flaws that we expected right from the beginning. And they're, I mean, they're super handy to have as educational tools. Yes, they are. It's like this, I love talking about that stuff. Speaking of places where the paleo science gets a little weird, where they they skew a little bit off the path. The people who are into Pokemon will, I no doubt, expect us to talk about the new fossil Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So in Pokemon Sword and Shield, the, the newest games, they introduce a handful of new Pokemon that you can resurrect from fossils. But the shtick in this game is that there is a person who has a resurrection machine, which is not unusual in these games, and says that in this part of the Pokemon world, the poke the Pokemon fossils are split into top halves and bottom halves. Yeah, they're fragmentary. And you can combine different top halves with different bottom halves and resurrect them anyway. So the four options are a fossil fossilized bird, dino, fish, and drake. And then you can make one with a bird head and a drake body, and the bird head and the dino body, and the fish head and the drake body and so you get this end result that is awkward and goofy looking and i mean it's cute and it's funny and it's pokemon like at the end of the day it's still this weird cute creature yeah it's very uh awkward clown-esque right that is the head of a fish on the tail of a dinosaur and it's odd it's one word for it i'm not a huge fan yeah and now will and i have talked about this because it's what we do. The thing that bugs me about it, because I've seen a lot of people online who are saying what they're trying to do is pay homage to mistakes in the earliest days of paleontology. Times where fossils were reconstructed or recombined incorrectly. Or misinterpreted. Yes, which has happened. And the new Pokemon region in the games is based on the, the UK. Mm-hmm. Which is where early paleontology got its start and where a lot of those famous errors are from. So I can see that that may have been the intent. That 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 there could have been inspiration there from that. Right. But the thing that bugs me a bunch about it is that they're not based on real fossils. Like, they didn't reference any 
actual mistakes. Yeah. They're just new, made-up right. mistake fossils. They're made-up mistake fossils. And then the Pokedex seems to take them seriously. Which is so like, weird. The Pokedex is like, oh, this animal... I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but basically it's saying things like, this animal went extinct because it was part fish and part land like it could run on land yeah there's one that but says it could only breathe underwater <laughs> it was super fast runner yeah for some reason could only breathe underwater so that must be why it went extinct and that's silly and goofy and funny and i'm totally like the 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 fun intent there i honestly would not bother me if they weren't fossils yeah 100 percent. because now it feels like you went from doing actually a really cool job representing real world paleontology discoveries to doing something that feels like it's just making fun of paleontology. What what started as a very cool homage and sharing of paleo passion is now like at the expense of paleontology. Yeah. And, and, it's... and there are so many cool mistakes you could have made into Pokemon. We won't get into that now because no. I could go a very long time i have a prepared speech right but they could have done a they could have made this a poignant right they could have used real examples or what i was hoping for there could have been a moment where these mistakes get corrected in the game right something where they acknowledge that mistakes have been made and here's some of the ways we fixed it or here's some real examples yeah the thing that also like irks me a bunch yeah is that the four fossils that they call them are not most again you went from you made an anomalocaris pokemon and then these are the fish is a fish mm -hmm. and it looks like it's probably based on placoderms like dunkleosteus which is one of my big disappointments because you you spent dunkleosteus on this <laughs> you saved it up to this and then you only use the head and you put it on a dino butt and then the drake is just a dinosaur like a big stegosaurus type yeah. thing the bird is very much not a bird it's it it's very velociraptory yeah i was gonna say like jurassic park if we are generous it is a dromaeosaur right but it's also like an action figure generic like right it's I, a jurassic park three velociraptor yeah, i cannot tell is. you what it's supposed to actually be. it doesn't have feathers like it, it maybe has some feathers on the head but eh, the, 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 but then the dino, this one bugs me a bunch. <laughs> the dino is an aquatic reptile. Like, it's very clearly a, a plesiosaur or mosasaur, which aren't dinosaurs. And you've made it since 1997 <laughs> without making this mistake. And I'm just, I don't hate the Pokemon. They are Pokemon. They are I love them as though they are my children. <laughs> they have cool type combinations. They're cute. Their designs are funny and goofy. To I will catch them. I will collect them. They will be in my collection. I'll battle with them. It's going to be great. But I wish that there had been some... The same paleontology adoration yeah. that we've seen in previous generations. I, I miss it. it. I wish it, it was here. And, and our conversations after the game, this has been said, but... The way it very much felt to me was that there was a changing of hands between these fossil Pokemon and the last time they made fossil Pokemon. A new shift change happened, or they changed departments, and because this doesn't feel like the same team at all. And I don't know that that's true, but it, I see no evidence in these fossil Pokemon 
that the same mentality was applied to them that has been applied to every other yeah. addition to the fossil Pokemon. Which is, it's a bit of a shame. It's disappointing, and I don't like the new Pokemon. I am not as generous. <laughs> I, I'm very I'm very forgiving. I think they look dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they don't look dumb. Yeah. But there it is. <laughs> now, we should make brief mention of the fact that there are Pokemon in the game that are not fossils, but are based on ancient creatures. So, like, uh, there is a mammoth Pokemon, Mammosaur, yes, which is said to have their numbers dwindled toward the end of the Ice Age, which I love because A, real world science, and B, there was an Ice Age. Mm. The Pokedex information very clearly shows that the Pokedex, the Pokemon world geologic timeline is basically our own. Yeah, they, they reference many of the same deep time history events. Right. Aerodactyl in a later entry is said to have lived during the age of the dinosaurs. Yes. Cool. There's Relicanth, which we mentioned with his Acelacanth. There's Genesect, yeah. which is said to be a big predatory bug Pokemon from 300 million years ago, which is when the big real world bugs lived, <laughs> who was resurrected by the bad guys and then they put a cannon on its back. Like which, you do. Because Pokemon. And now it shoots elemental beams because it's Pokemon. But Will... Speaking of the new Pokemon in sor introduced in Sword and Shield, I know that you have a new favorite. I do. As as disappointed as I was in the fossil Pokemon, they won me back. Every step I took away, they won me back with Dragapult. So we should explain that Pokemon, for those who don't know, come in types. Types. Elemental types. So Pikachu is electric type. It shoots electricity. Uh, a almost all fo oh, fossil Pokemon are rock type. Which I love. Dragapult is dragon type, Yarp. which means it's a dragon, and ghost type because it's supposed to be the ghosts of a long extinct group of fossil Pokemon. It's the spirit of a prehistoric Pokemon, this draconic prehistoric Pokemon, which by itself is a really cool this idea. This is so cool, but it is the fossil creature it most closely looks like is the early big amphibians like uh diplocolis yeah and ichthyostega yeah. those sort of boomerang headed uh early tetrapods early amphibians so very salamander-esque but with these flat wide heads and this one has a very boomerang head because it's also like a stealth bomber right yeah so the it's got little launching pads on the head where it launches its babies yeah because <laughs> it's pokemon and it's goofy and it's <laughs> and fun. they can't be hurt because they're ghosts so it's fine naturally and they love it. The Pokedex <laughs> says that they, they have a great love time. It. I the ghost of a prehistoric Pokemon for that. Whew, you, you, you're making up a lot of lost oh, ground. Yeah. No, that was, <laughs> that was, and it's like one of the last ones you get to. F yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you pull that out at the finish line. <laughs> no. I was, I was disappointed. And then you gave me that. All right. In the, in the Pokedex. So in the, national pokedex order this is where i get nerdy um <laughs> it comes right after the fossils yeah it's the four fossil pokemon then the skyscraper thing then it's <laughs> the dragapult line so it's like they're going but but wait there's more there's more prehistoric stuff <laughs> so that that was a cool touch and it it talks about them coming from aquatic environments and yeah neat stuff like that which is pretty cool so uh, we like I said, we talk about Pokemon forever, but that's what we do when we're not recording. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. 
but I have a document. This document that I am looking at, Word says it is 77 pages. <laughs> I want to talk about evolution. In, now, we've talked about it a little bit so far, but the reason that evolution is so fun to discuss ref, in reference to Pokemon is, for those of you who don't know, evolution is one of the most commonly used words in the games of Pokemon because most of these creatures go through a process where they start out at a certain life stage, basically. Yeah, it, yeah it's life stages. And then rapidly transform into the next one. And they call that transformation evolution. Now, oftentimes what this is is like Charmander is a famous example. Charmander is this little bipedal salamander-looking thing with fire on its tail. And it's tiny and adorable. And it evolves, so it reaches a certain level, rapid transformation, and becomes Charmeleon, which is a slightly larger, less cute, fire-tailed lizard thing. And then it evolves into Charizard, which is basically a fire-breathing European dragon. Yeah. That's evolution. But as our listeners, no doubt, are probably aware, that's not what evolution, like, biological evolution is. Because there's a lot of Pokemon that just go from baby teenager adult right you know where their evolution is just they're skipping puberty and midlife (laughs) you're just getting older yeah (laughs) and you're just doing it in very quick (laughs) jumps there are others where they change form entirely yeah differing number of limbs and right different ways of getting around phyla yeah suddenly you're able to fly (laughs) yep a lot of them represent metamorphosis and that is really what it is Mm mm-hmm evolution in the Pokemon world is much more like what we would call in the real world metamorphosis. And there are a bunch of Pokemon where their evolutionary stages are a caterpillar, a cocoon, and an adult flying insect. A tadpole frog. Yep. So what they're calling evolution is much more like metamorphosis. And I've heard a lot of people bring up evolution in Pokemon and that's where they stop. But dear listeners, I like to go a little further and point out (laughs) that biological Charles Darwin-style evolution is absolutely a thing in Pokemon. Absolutely a thing. And I suspect, my guess is that it's not on purpose. It's not like the creators of Pokemon were like, let's make evolution a thing and, you know... Champion it. I suspect that it's in there because they said, hey, we're pulling information from real-world animals and we're going to regurgitated in here and some of the information deals with evolution so we talked about arcan and archaeops have entries that say they are the ancestors of all bird pokemon that's common ancestry there we go that's we're talking about lineages now uh something similar is said in the fossil pokemon entries uh, for the pokemon tortoga which is the fossil sea turtle that is said to be the ancestor of sea turtles yeah and very famously mew is this Pokemon, I will describe it as an extremely rare, extremely cute cat that is also kind of fetus-shaped. That's basically it. That's pretty much what Mew is. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's don't, a, don't get the impression that it's, it's not. It's adorable. Like fetus, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> like cat fetuses. <laughs> Mew, there is an entry that says that because Mew shares uh, its DNA with all other known Pokemon, it is thought by some to be the ancestor of all Pokemon, which it tells us two things. One, 
that way back in the first generation of Pokemon games, they were hinting at common ancestry. Mm -hmm. And two, that the scientists in the Pokemon world have no idea how common ancestry works. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's not how it works. All life shares the DNA of all other life because of... (laughs) So if you'd like to get into a discussion someday about how it's total nonsense that Mew is the ancestor of all Pokemon, hit me up. (laughs) So we have ancestry. We have this notion that you can have ancestors and descendants that are different types of creatures. There's also a bunch of comments about ancestral traits in Pokemon. So there is a Pokemon, uh, Chinchu, mm-hmm. which is uh, basically a, a little, it's like an anglerfish kind of thing, where it is an electric fish, but it's got little danglers yeah, it's little, off of its head that the, have little lights. The anglers are like little lamps. Yeah. So And it evolves into a fish called Lantern, which is very anglerfish-like, and it has a little stalk on its head that has a light coming off of it. And in the Pokedex, it says that those glow stalks used to be fins. Nice. Ancestrally, they were fins that developed into the glowy bits. Nice. Uh, Zubat, which is a bat Pokemon that has no eyes, has a Pokedex entry that says that it lost its eyes because it lives in dark caves, that this species developed away from having eyes. Yeah. Which is a thing that real-life cave creatures do. Absolutely. They became vestigial and then were lost. There's actually a bunch of these, a bunch of Pokedex entries that talk about how the species you're looking at differs from its ancestors. For the Pokemon fans out there, a fun one that I like is Magikarp, which is the joke. It's, it is a joke Pokemon. Yeah, like, the, the It's a fish that's, that's real terrible. It's, it's terrible to battle with, but it evolves into something awesome, so everybody gets it anyway there is at least one pokedex entry that says its ancestors were tougher than the weak pitiful form we see today (laughs) (laughs) so we have this change through ancestry and this adaptation of traits i love that they do acknowledge every now and then how a body part developed yeah like how they adapted a one body part to another is really cool i like it and again i'm sure it's they're pulling inspiration from the real world yeah they you know probably read at one point or saw a thing that was like this thing on this fish is actually a fin oh that's cool we should put a thing on a pokemon that's technically a fin yeah it just isn't anymore yeah i mean so it's it makes sense but it's cool it made it in i love that they do that because again it shows this appreciation for the real world for real world biology that i that is really cool to see in a video game Especially one that is as just unbelievably popular as Pokemon. Well, and that's something that my friend Lucas, who I worked with at the aquarium, who is uh, co-host the Science of Pokemon podcast. Yeah, which you and by now probably both of us yes. have appeared on. Mm-hmm. So he, but one of the things he always loved pointing out is how Pokemon draws from the real world and how very often does not even actually get as weird as the real world. And like, but showing that it's, it's really cool that they pull these obscure, weird facts. And he always likes using it as a teaching tool to show how cool and weird the actual animal is. Yeah. And even weirder. (laughs) Yep. But my favorite example, well, maybe not my favorite, but one of the best examples of how real world evolution has made it into the Pokemon games 
is that in the last couple iterations of the games, they have introduced regional variants of Pokemon. So you have the same type of Pokemon in this part of the world and in this part of the world that has different attributes and different features. Yeah, different traits because of those regions. And so far, the two regions that they've done that in are both regions of the Pokemon world that are islands. Yeah. So they're referencing island evolution. They're referencing how you change... Episode 4, right? You put a species on an island and it gets weird. They, They have ones that are bigger and smaller. They have a lot that have adapted to the different environments. They have some that I like that have adapted to presence or lack of predators like new predators on the island or lack of predators and they say it's like well since they don't have to worry about predators they now run around during this or since they do have to worry they have to run around during this time right 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 and that's really cool which is really neat but my favorite my favorite example of that is that in the alola region which is a region of the pokemon world that is based on hawaii and it is four different major islands And in the games, you hop from island to island as you explore everywhere and you meet different Pokemon. There is a Pokemon named Oricorio, which is a bird. The gimmick of Oricorio is that it is a bird that is a dancer. Yes. So it's very clearly a bird, but it's in these poses of... Because it's doing different dances. And its feathers look like, you know, fans. Like a skirt and a fan and stuff like that. But Oricorio comes in different forms. And the different forms are based on different dances. Mm-hmm. Like there's a flamenco dancer and there's a pom-pom dancer and there's one that's much more like a yeah. like Hawaiian dancing. Yeah, yeah I, there's, I'm sure there's a word that I'm forgetting. And the different forms have different types. Mm-hmm. So one is fire and one is electric. But the four different types, the four different forms are found on the four different islands in the Alola region. It's very Darwin's Finch it, that's in Pokemon. Like a direct reference to the most famous example of island evolution, Darwin's Finches. Which, well done. What a cool thing to include in a game. And again, like, what what makes me so happy about it is the same as when, you know, when we talk about we're excited to see cool things in Jurassic Park because of how wide a reach it has. Mm-hmm. Pokemon is the highest grossing video game franchise of all time. Which is, is saying something. Because it's, I mean, I, I'm not surprised it was built to be addictive to kids. <laughs> it, it's perfect. But like everyone who plays it gets that little bit of exposure to this sort of real world natural history. That's really cool. Once again, going back to our conversations with the Jurassic Park films. And yes, these are video games. Yes, they are, are not meant to be. <laughs> they're not they're not reader rabbit for whoever remembers those games right uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not they're, it's not um oh math blasters yeah math that the blasters. one that i had <laughs> so it's like they're not meant to be factual educational they're meant to be fun they're meant to be lighthearted and silly but as in so many things representation does matter so getting exposed to some real scientific concepts normalizes them and makes them more accessible yeah. And less less weird and obscure for the next time you actually do hear about Darwin's Finchens when you get into biology class later on. Yeah. And that's awesome. And like you said, it's not meant to be informative. It's not meant to be educational. 
and it's super popular, and I, I, I want to correct myself. Wikipedia says that Pokemon is the highest grossing media franchise of all time. Oh, media. So including Not just video it. games. Yeah. <laughs> but like books and movies. And it's like, you didn't have to include this stuff. Now, I'm sure one could argue that that might be part of why it's so popular, is that real-world connection. And indeed, the person who created Pokemon, Satoshi Tajiri, was a insect collector. Yeah, he was based off of you know butterfly catching, and that was part of what he wanted to bring to the games was that joy of collecting, exploring the world, and collecting. Yeah, exploring things. nature and getting out in the world. But you didn't have to make fossil Pokemon. You know, you didn't have to include cool real world science in there. You didn't have to mention that the fossils are hundreds of millions of years old. The fact that you you did that and like you did at least a little bit of your homework for it. That's really cool. It's just, it's a nice thing because, like you said, had they not included any of that, I'm sure it would probably still be at the exact ranking it is. Probably. Now. Just because the vast majority of people who are playing the games aren't playing them for those things. No. And that's also not what the focus, you know, like, those kind of things are very rarely brought up in, like, the shows or the movie, like... It's very rare those topics actually are focused on to any extent. Right. And even in the games, it's usually not talked about. It's there, but none of the characters are, like, discussing it much. or No, it's it's little bits of world building. So, like, they could have left all that out, and it would have been probably just as successful, and we would not have known what we were missing. Yes. <laughs> you know, we probably still would be enjoying it and just have moments of like, well, it'd be really cool if you did like a dinosaur Pokemon, but yeah, whatever. But the fact that they did is the, it's that, you know, it's the point I always like to make. Doing an extra Google search costs you almost nothing. Yeah. And it only adds that little bit. And that's what they've done since the beginning of Pokemon. Oh yeah. We haven't even talked most of, uh, a lot about the real world uh, i'm sorry the modern animals yeah like like that the, they base things off of the today's species that they have done things like the pistol shrimp yeah and weird stuff and it's, it's that's so cool that you're pulling from cool obscure and often pulling from accurate sources yeah now, while we're talking about evolution i should mention because we're singing their praises <laughs> Much the same way that they misuse the term evolution, kind of, by in a biological sense. The other term that they use that throws an enormous wrench <laughs> into trying to understand bi biological evolution and common ancestry in the Pokemon world is the word species. Yeah. Beca now, setting aside all the issues with the word species here in the real world. <laughs> that already exists. Each different life stage of a Pokemon is called a species. Which is confusing. Mm -hmm. And also, species can reproduce with each other in the Pokemon games. Like, you could put two Pokemon together and they make an egg and you get a baby Pokemon. Well, no one knows how the egg got there. But nobody knows how the egg got there, <laughs> according to the games. <laughs> and then it hatches into a, a new baby version. Uh, or just a low-leveled version. But there's, like, very little biological consistency in who can reproduce with who. So yeah. we're we're breaking lots of species concepts. Well, and it's it's gets really weird because the life stages that we discussed that they are evolving through mm -hmm. are treated like life stages nine times out of ten. Yes, 
but then every now and then are discussed as very individualistic animals. Right. It's like now that it has evolved, it does this stuff and this new behavior and sometimes it's very different. And sometimes they talk about adaptation in that regard. Like it changed form to adapt to its environment. Mm -hmm. We could go on and on, but we shouldn't. Not, not right now. (laughs) Is there anything you haven't gotten to mention? No, like, like we said, there's plenty of things that it would be fun to mention. We could go into more details on the individual fossil Pokemon because they've done some cool things. I love that there's a Pachycephalosaurus. Yep. Like, but we could do that with each one and we don't have the time to. So it's, there's just, for all of the weirdness that's in the game, mm-hmm. for really redefining the word evolution, because it's not that they're misusing it. They have, <laughs> they have redefined it in their world. Yeah. Well, they're using it in a, a very colloquial way like evolution in the sense of changing yes but referring to organisms and thus being confused with evolution it's it's, you know they have their confusing parts and it it feels like you know you said at the beginning that someone on the design team at least someone if not a few someones is just there plugging in their their little bits of love for biology and evolution yeah. and geology and fossil history. It's yeah. always a little treat when you, one of those pops up. Yeah. Pokemon gets the paleontology stamp of approval. Yes. The common descent stamp of approval from us. <laughs> we love it. Thank you to everyone who suggested this. Thank you to all of our listeners. If you want us to talk more about this, my goodness, we could. I mean, if you we twist our arms, listen, you, we'll come up with something. If you want... <laughs> to ask us more questions about it, if you want to hear us talk about different topics. If we didn't mention your favorite Pokemon, which we almost certainly didn't, we've probably mentioned like 40 or 50 Pokemon in this episode. There are now 890 officially. <laughs> so we've missed a few. If you want to hear more on this kind of subject, let us know. We will happily talk about this again. We will happily do more. This has been a ton of fun. It's a cool topic because it's a fun game. It's a fun series. And it's cool that we are able to very easily connect it to our topics because of the stuff they've added. So, yes, happily we would discuss more. Let me wrap this up, Will, with one more question. What's your favorite Pokemon? My favorite Pokemon is the same favorite Pokemon it's been since Pokemon first came out. It's the Pokemon that got me to actually pay attention to the franchise, and that's Charizard. It's a good choice. It's I got a little little Charizard section on my shelf <laughs> uh, with the crochet Charmander that I got as a gift from a listener. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was Lauren. Yeah, so I got my little Charmander Charizard section. I, he's a big fiery dragon, and it's I a love good him. choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that makes me very basic pokemon fan (laughs) well you know my favorite pokemon i I feel like i have two answers to this one yes because my favorite pokemon that goes back to the the early days that i just there's so much to absorb is mewtwo yeah i love mewtwo so much i love it super cool but my other answer for like acknowledging that i don't actually get to use mewtwo in the games (laughs) because it's not available in like 99.99% of actual Pokemon gameplay. Yeah. 
when I was back in first gen, one of my favorite Pokemon, our listeners will be surprised to hear, was Onyx, the giant rock snake. And I remember when second generation came out and they were like, we're going to give Onyx another stage. And I was like, my little opinionated 10-year-old was like, that's dumb. You're just going to ruin it. Yeah. And then they gave me Steelix. And it's just the best. And he stopped questioning them. I, yep. <laughs> that was it. I never questioned them again. I'm so sorry. I doubted you. I love Steelix so much. They are pretty great. That's a little bit of extras for our Pokemon fans out there. Let us know what your favorite is. What's your favorite? What is your favorite fossil Pokemon? Yes. What is your favorite all-time Pokemon? What is your favorite thing about science in Pokemon that we didn't mention? Yeah, do you have a favorite sciencey, you know, tidbit or fact that made it into Pokemon that we didn't bring up? Yeah. Let us know. Tweet us. Comment on the Facebook link. Talk to us on Patreon. Send us an email. Let us know your thoughts about Pokemon and Pokemon science because like with movies, we will talk about this ad nauseum. We're gonna do it anyway. So join in. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) All you have to do is prompt us. (laughs) Thank you, as always, so much for listening. I'm so happy we got to do this. It's been a long time. It took almost three years. Right? And this was, we literally mean almost three years (laughs) because we said early on, well, at some point we have to. (laughs) Yep. And you can tell we're excited because now we're rambling. So we're going (laughs) to cut it off. Thanks for joining us. We release episodes every fortnight, except for sometimes we do these little bonus things. 